This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Choices are great. Like with your podcasts, you get to choose what you want to listen to. And State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. That's why the State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you get the coverage you want at an affordable price and a policy that helps cover what you value most. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com today to create your State Farm Personal Price Plan. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. This is live from PS5. Let's go now to our first story. The good people of Manhattan woke up to a gift from their favorite hero. Experts are linking all of these events to an increase in activity on PS5. This was live from PS5, bringing you the extraordinary. Rated RP2M. Welcome to the Wednesday, February 15th edition of the PFF Forecast. Uh, it's the day after Valentine's Day, but my one true love is joining the podcast today, and that's Seth Galina, so we're thankful for that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about his takeaways from the Super Bowl and ask him if Jalen Hurts uh, is the second coming of Jesus Christ, how worried the Cardinals should be about hiring a coach who got cooked on Sunday, um, and we're also going to talk some free agency with Seth um and brad of course as usual and then at the end we're going to do a little update on draft props with arjun so it's going to be a great show let's rock intro for you congratulations uh, first of all not just valentine's day but my mom's birthday february 14th wow. 1954 so let's get that out of the way uh i'll send you guys her address after you can send her gifts you know we're good party sandwiches party sandwiches yeah uh, i was gonna i the reason i brought it up is because i didn't get a chance to talk about how big of a pet peeve valentine's day is for me i hate this made up holiday. I think it's stupid. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm jealous. You always get to mention pet peeves and I didn't remember that last time. <laughs> it's a made up holiday, but if people are enjoying it, then I say, let them enjoy it. Though I, I did do feel kind of mostly, uh, I do take your side on the matter though. I would say another, you know, I know I had a great tip last week that shocked a lot of people and weird a lot of people out about how to watch a football game in a crowd. But <laughs> I think a, be a better tip for this one is, look, if Valentine's Day, if you're going to have to participate and you're going to have to get a gift, why why are men not receiving gifts as well? I mean, it's no one said Valentine's Day is a one-way street. That's all I'm saying. I'll Here say this, though. If you're a man and you're you're giving a gift and you're not receiving one, that's on you. Look in the mirror. Okay. Maybe, maybe you need to figure some things out. That's all I'd say. Okay. That was, that was, uh, that was the end of our, uh, Valentine's day assessment and advice. Let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl from your perspective, Seth, because you do a better job of breaking down scheme and preparing us for what we're going to see in the games better than anyone else. Um, and so now looking back on that game, there were so many interesting components to it, but what did you find most interesting? What was your biggest takeaway? I mean, there's so many takeaways. I'll start, let's, you know, if we just start on the Chiefs, when the Chiefs had the ball, 
And I look at the Eagles defense, which which had a lot of good moments this year and was probably a really good defense overall. But I look at the same thing that kind of that kind of gave them problems the whole year. And it's like their play from the nose. And they tried to fix it, drafting Jordan Davis. They tried to fix it, uh, signing Linval Joseph, signing in Domicon Sue, and it just it just wasn't good enough. And that really was like a big deal. If you're gonna play with a, a nose tackle a player who's literally lined up right on top of the center. He's got to be able to win one-on-ones and they just, they could not win one-on-ones. And you saw that that hurt them in the run game. Like they, you know, you're playing with these fronts, you're playing with five defensive linemen and a linebacker. And sometimes a safety would come down and you just can't be giving up these type of runs time and time again. And even in the past game, like they couldn't really get a pass rush from those guys. Jordan Davis made like one play where Mahomes kind of, kind of ran near him and then Mahomes still was able to get the ball off to Kelsey on that play. So that to me was, was the, the, the idea here. It was like, well, you're going to play with these light boxes that knows guys got to be pretty good. Or you got to have Aaron Donald, you know, as a three technique. And and they just don't, don't have that. Even, even though Javon Hargraves had a, had a great season this year. So that so, to me was the takeaway. Like the, the chiefs are really able to run the football better than I probably thought they thought they would. I mean, I know it's a good offensive line, but, probably better than they thought they would. And then, and then I think in the passing game, it's really just like Andy Reid found the fish, right? And the fish was Avante Maddox in the second half, which is just like everything was designed to go after Avante Maddox, not just with Kelsey, uh, not just with other players, whoever, (laughs) whoever they could find to play against Avante Maddox. And like the passing game has been great all year for the chiefs. I'm not surprised that they were able to do this. So I think, I think on that side of the ball, those are my takeaways. And I think, on you know, the, the, the Eagles, who obviously deserve to win the football game based on how good their offense was, it's the same thing as always. Surprising that they couldn't run the ball as well. You know, Miles Sanders not having a great day. I know he's like, he's probably like an average running back, but like behind that offensive line, he's always looked really good. Um, not being able to do anything. And then Jalen Hurts just like, the, the one little like, I'll spray a little or, or you know, like, little bit of water put a little bit of water on the Jalen Hurts performance and that it's it's this has been the Jalen Hurts performance that we've seen before in his two years starting which is like a lot of throws to the outside and when he's been accurate on those throws you're like oh my god like we saw in the Superman this is probably the best one he's ever played but these are all throws to the outside and maybe that's that's going to be good enough for a long time. I'm just curious to see what that looks like when everything else isn't great, when the receivers aren't great, when the offensive line isn't great. But other than that, like I said, it is a great performance. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, I'm just curious what it looks like outside of um, like when you isolate who Jalen Hurts is. So uh, many follow-ups to that, uh, you know, great answer. The first one was just, you're talking about, of course, the Eagles use a lot of five-man fronts. You don't want to just go away from what you do, especially in the Super Bowl. But kind of, have you had experience with a bad playing surface? And like, do you think maybe you, you almost make personnel adjustments to where you say, like, do we even want five defensive linemen on the field if they can't even, you know, get up field? Um, so I'll let you answer that one first. Yeah, I mean, I think that's t- always tough to just be in the middle of the game because I'm sure they, you know, I think on the broadcast they talked about Jalen Hurts changing his cleats. So, like, clearly they tried stuff. So, it's tough to be like, okay, well, we're just going to stop. Like, because you're like, okay, well, what's our first answer? Our first answer is change the cleats. And that that's like, and it's not like, well, we change the cleats and we go out on the field 
and we slip the first play we're out there and we go to our next answer. It's like, well, it maybe not happened. Maybe they didn't slip for the next 10 plays that they were on the field and they slipped once and they didn't slip again for five plays. So it's like tough to like really be like, okay, well, we're going to change everything we do because of the surface. Now I will say about the surface, I do think it sucks. And I'm not saying like, oh, the Eagles would have won or, or the game would have been different. It just sucks that everyone was slipping, man. And you can, you can, Again, it's like I've seen people say, talk about like the pass rushers slipping and it's like, well, it happened after they were kind of getting beat by the offensive tackle and whatever. And and th- th- that's all true. It just does suck that the play server should not be like that. That's period, right? It should never have come to this. So I think it sucks. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say like a uh, conspiracy theory, whatever, but it does suck. But yeah, just to answer your question, it, it, it's tough to change what you're doing based on that. Um and, you know, clearly they did what they could with the cleats, something that we talked about, maybe the Bills should have done a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't think it's that that's a tough one to just be like, all right, we'll change what we're doing because of like our three because Javon Harger slipped a couple times, you know, both teams so, uh, actually played on the same field. I can confirm. <laughs> um, so j- just just so that we're we're clear, I. I have a hard time with anyone who's complaining about the playing surface and being like, oh, you know, that was the problem. It's like the Eagles defense gave up points and yards to every decent offense that they played. Okay. The problem that they they had was they had looked, they looked like they'd never seen motion before, Seth. It had nothing to do with that. You know, slipping is secondary to the fact that you're totally unprepared when a guy moves before the snap. Anyways, that's my rant. Brad, you can continue well, with your question. Well, that's no, that's a perfect segue. So on that point, so obviously there's the you know the two touchdowns where they're walking touchdowns for Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Eric Bieniemy comes out of the game, identified in the Eagles game against the Jaguars that their responsibilities in those motion situations, the the was the outside corner is supposed to uh, switch over to number two receiver. Yada yada yada. It, to a certain point, I get that it's probably Jonathan Gannon's fault, or but is there also like. On the Canarius 21, both corners went inside. Like, it, is there also an issue of just, like, eye discipline and just, like, figuring things out? Or is it really just, hey, I have my keys, I have my role, and I'm not supposed to just kind of, you know, freelance off of that? Yeah, it's tough because, like, you just get to the point where it's like, okay, this is how we're going to play it. And, like, basically both were kind of man coverage principles. Now, sometimes – you have the guy who's literally in man coverage on the motion guy, and he's going to run with him no matter where he goes. And then there's the one where the man coverage guy will go to safety and the safety will come down, but it still ends up being the same kind of idea. Now the, the opposite is you just bump everyone over. So everyone stays on that same second line and okay, my guy went in motion. Now I become uh the the next guy in line and everyone kind of bumps over and that's how you can deal with that but then there then there are issues there like there's no there's no right answer right to how you play um defense based on motion and stuff like that you just it's based on the team and clearly this is what they had decided to do and, and they got burned a couple times i think a couple things i think it's a little overblown just because like they were at the five yard line both times like they were in scoring position yes it looks bad that they were that it happened twice in the Super Bowl that everyone's watching, but we can remember this for years. I, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about Jalen Ramsey getting um, having that issue versus Devonta Devonta Adams in the in Green Bay, like in 2020 in a playoff game. Like it, ha- this happens all the time. This happens absolutely all the time because you're on the goal line 
And you got to make these decisions, right? And we're going to run with people and we're just going to live in that world. Like, hey, we're going to run and we're trying not to be out leveraged in that way. And and they got caught a couple of times. There, there's just more, I think, like, like I said, because they were already on the five-yard line, I think that the more interesting thing is, okay, how did you get to the five-yard line? <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, one of them is a punt return, I, I believe. But, like, really, the, the question is, like, how did you get to the five-yard line? And then I guess the next question is, okay, well, why are you – is this is this what you've done the whole year? You only have one answer to it. Probably, if that's the case, you probably need more than one answer to motion on the goal line. I I would bet they do have more than one answer, and they just got caught in this game, um, and and they got caught in a game, you know, against the Jaguars or whatever the the story is. But um, yeah, like I said, I think it's more about how did you get to the five yard line than than what you did when you got there. Amazingly, I, I thought you know one of the big things that I took away from this was how obvious it was that the Eagles had the best athletes on the field. And yet that it didn't really matter. So, you know, you have, I guess, curious when he's a great athlete, but like Juju Smith-Schuster comes alive in the second half, you know, um, Travis Kelsey is a great athlete, but he's not AJ Brown out here, right? Like AJ Brown was clearly the best athlete when he was, you know, on that side of the field. And yet the, what it really underscored to me was how successful the chiefs have been at generating a ton of offense and in, in a large part, it seems like because no one really knows what to expect. If you expect Travis Kelsey, but because of the rest of the players, like you just never really know where he's going to be, what he's going to do, and who else might get targeted. Is there truth to that statement? You know, it's I think it's an easy thing to say in hindsight. Oh, they traded Tyreek Hill and their offense was amazing. And it, you know, in, in many respects got better. Are you buying that or were there just structural changes that they've made? Mahomes has been better, you know, his, his brother stopped doing TikToks, like whatever it is um, that, that have caused this because it, it was, it was ridiculous. People were wide open all the time. Yeah. I, I, to me, that's, it's a lot of it on Mahomes. I think he's evolved into this player that can really get the ball out quickly, especially on like quick game stuff. And you saw like a lot of plays where like, he didn't want to wait for something down the field and he just got the ball out there. They got six yards and they can do it again. And he's like, he's getting to that point. I always use this, this analogy. Cause I, you know, watching Drew Brees for so long, everyone wants to say like, Oh, well, you know, if we don't have a strong arm quarterback and this is not Mahomes, obviously, but if we don't have a strong arm quarterback, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just run quick, quick stuff and we'll throw slants and we'll do that. And it's like, okay, you can do that, but you're not going to hit at 90% like Drew Brees did. Like everyone's like, oh, we'll just do that. We'll just, you know, we'll, we'll do that. Like Brees hits it at 90% and he puts the ball accurately so you can get yards after catch. Like no one else does that. And I think Mahomes now is beginning to get into that. Now he's always been a genius, of course. Why he's, you know, why he's won so many games. But I think after the middle of last season where they, you know, they, they didn't look so good against, I think it's the Titans in the middle of last year. I think there's another one that they didn't look so good against. I think the Giants on like a Monday night where they won, but it wasn't great. I think they just, you were like wondering how this, how they could evolve. And especially without Tyreek Hill. I think if Tyreek Hill's still there, you can find other ways to be explosive, to be able to move the chains. But Without Tyreek Hill, you're like, how are they going to evolve? And I think of Mahomes, and obviously Andy Reid is part of this as well, but like Mahomes just like taking the easy stuff, not worrying about anything else. And then I'll just do it again. 
And that's what I'm saying. Like with Breeze, it was like, okay, you you want a four-yard gain. Well, I'll just do another four-yard gain. I'll do another seven-yard gain because I can do that because I'm Drew Breeze. And Mahomes is doing that now. Like I'll, I'll just take a six-yard gain. I'll do it again. And then obviously you have the ability down the field um, to to create explosive plays. But that wasn't their offense this year. I mean, Mahomes was like top of the league in terms of like um, percentage of his yards that came after the catch. Like there was a lot of, of yak in this offense for the first time really ever. Um, you know, basically outside of Travis Kelsey, so who's always a yak guy. But that that's to me where Mahomes has been. You kind of knew it was going to happen because you would watch them be this. I always say this about Mahomes where it's like, yeah, I know the, the plays, the highlight tape plays where he's throwing the, you know, he's, he's closing his eyes and he's throwing it, then he's no look and he's throwing it behind his back and he's being all these plays outside the pocket. That's the stuff we, we love to see in the highlights and, and it's partly what makes him what he is he's a he's a genius he's like literally a genius in the pocket and we're seeing it come out in different ways now he was really good at like eye manipulation and stuff early in his career and we see that a little less now but really he's just like i know where the i know where the route is right now i know it's open before it happens and you know he had talked about that um i think last season or last offseason maybe two off seasons ago where he was like hey you know, I didn't really know anything about defense. It's a little vague, but you're seeing kind of the 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 fruits of the labor here, where it's like, man, I, I just know where I'm going before everyone else does, because I'm I'm my process information at such a fast level. So I, I do think a lot of this is just Mahomes. They he, they don't they don't have bad receivers. They they have a bunch of like mid receivers plus Kelsey, um, and Mahomes just makes them all look amazing. I got one one last question for you. Uh, I think it's sort of tied to that a little bit. So you mentioned before Jalen Hurts, kind of how, you know, a lot of his great games are when he's hitting some of those balls. That's how the numbers and the bad ones are not. Um, the Chiefs, interestingly, you know, have used a day two pick on an off-ball linebacker three drafts in a row now. And I think all of them had pretty significant impacts on this game. Um, you know, is that a great matchup counter to a team that is, you know, playing bully ball and, and doing the things we saw them do where you have three off-ball linebackers you can trust, not great in coverage, but are, are, are you know, sound in, in their run fits and, and can take away the middle of the field enough. Was that kind of like a good matchup in their favor in this game? I think it's okay. I think it just depends. Like, I do think those players are good. You're talking about like um, Bolton and Gay and Chanel, I guess, the you know, from this past season. You know, the, the interesting thing is it, it does like once you're – if you wanted to play – the game where you say, okay, well, they have two great outside receivers. We can't just play one-on-one. We have to keep two safeties high. And then you just need the guys who are, who are so good in space. And I don't think those guys, so I think it's like, as a, as a process, I think it's probably the right move to think about um, the middle of the field, the spine, right? Like nose tackles, three tacks. I mean, three tacks already were important, but like nose tackles and, you know, middle linebackers, will linebackers, box linebackers are going to become more important. And we just see like, you know, I always go back to the 49ers defense. I mean, that thing only works because of Fred Warner and, and Drake Greenlaw to a certain extent, who's a, who's a really underrated player, but like it really works with Fred Warner being able to take away swaths of the field um, that no other player can. It's just hard to find those guys. So like the process is right. Maybe spending some day two picks, you know, uh, an athletic guy who maybe isn't great against the run and maybe we'll figure it out later. Um, so I think the process is probably right. 
Um, it's just hard to find those guys. Like there's just not a lot. There's like five good ones, right? Hard position to play. Really hard position to play. Not not to get too off 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 Super Bowl talk here, but just thinking about this recently. But one of the reasons why it's so hard to play is because everything is happening behind your head. Maybe I said this on the podcast before. I don't remember, but playing linebacker in coverage is having eyes behind your head, right? Because like every like when you're playing corner, everything's happening in front of you. I have the receiver. If I'm man coverage, it's in front of me. If I'm playing, um, you know, a, a deep third zone, it's in front of me. Even cover two, I, I'm seeing everything in front of me because my I, my hips are inside. With with linebackers and the inside players, man, like you you got to just feel stuff. You got to have this instinct to understand which routes are coming. And you, I don't see them, but I'm going to move two steps this way to cover it because I'm assuming it's coming and all that stuff. That's why it's so difficult. That's why Fred Warner is so uh, valuable and Demario Davis and all these guys. Linebacker talk, uh, what people tune in to the forecast to get. Uh, if you want more draft analysis, by the way, head to pff.com and get the just released PFF draft guide. It's uh, brand new, ton of new features. It looks super, super sick. It's the best one that we've ever done. That's why we waited a little bit longer to put it out this year to make sure it was the best quality. You can get it at pff.com for a ridiculously low price. When you subscribe, you'll also get access to Brad's contract projections and free agency rankings. Um, he is too uh, humble to say this, but I will just let it be known that every single team in the uh, in the league uses these and has them up on their screens constantly. Uh, you will not find anyone that does a better job of, of projecting uh, these numbers and doing the research there. So kill two birds with one stone, get yourself ready uh, for the off season. And of course, when you buy a year long subscription to PFF plus, you're going to get all of the fantasy and betting uh, analysis that you need next season as well. So it's a great, uh, a great time to, uh, to make that dive if you have not, and as well, a great time to join the PFF printing press, the PFF forecast discord. We're going to talk about draft props here in a second. We're also going to talk about some free agency stuff and you're going to get up to the minute ways to profit off of those, uh, those things um, in, in the discourse. It's going to be hard for us to let you know when we find something about a player that might get drafted earlier and for you to be able to go uh, get some money down. So you'll want to join that so that you can be on the cutting edge. Uh, the link to the Discord is in the description. Um, also, if you're not watching on YouTube, if you're used to watching on YouTube, we have our own YouTube channel now, which is awesome. It's just the PFF forecast all the time and uh, you won't have to go hunting for all the videos you can get them right there uh, just with one simple subscription so if that's what you're looking for uh, go to youtube and search pf forecast and you'll find that new channel okay let's talk a little uh, free agency in fact i actually want to get into it in a in a way by asking about someone who's not a free agent who played in the super bowl a very quick answer from you brad first what does jalen hurt's contract look like and then from you seth like he was great in the Super Bowl. You poured a little water on the fire. It seemed like he, you know, there were some guys open over the middle, particularly on that play before the fourth down where they decided to punt. Um, and so that there's some questions there. But uh, you know, after Brad gives you what he thinks, like curious here if you think it's it's worth it. Yeah, I think we're looking at something in the neighborhood of four years, two hundred million, maybe a little bit below that. But I mean, he's going to get into that fifty million per year conversation. And I'll pass it up to you, Seth, but it's interesting you mentioned that because I actually had a conversation with someone else who had a similar kind of like, yes, he played great, but there are some things you can watch that tape and take away and have some concerns and poke some holes in. But anyway, I think it's in that neighborhood of $50 million a year. 
Yeah, I mean, look, it's going to happen. Whether I think it should or not, it that's yeah, yeah. going to happen because you don't like at this point. He he's been to the Super Bowl, All Pro, the whole thing, so it's going to happen. I think the the good thing about where Jalen Hurts is with his development is because they've won games with him. He gets to continue to play quarterback, and he gets a lot of reps, and he can develop. Like that, you know, I always think about that with with Josh Allen in a sense. Josh Allen was not good for his first two years in the league, right? But because he was the a first-round pick and we got picked ninth or seventh or whatever it was, he gets to continue to play that basically anywhere else, you know, any other draft slot, he doesn't get to continue to play if you're bad for two years. And Hurts is kind of in the in in the in the same way. Like because he was a second round pick, if this team doesn't do anything, he's he, it's over, right? It's already over. But they're winning games. Look, the, this roster is nasty. This roster was nasty on offense. And there, there's there's just no there's no other way to put it. Like it is top to bottom the best ro- roster on offense in the NFL this season. Hertz did some stuff that I think adds to that. Being able to run your zone read stuff, your option stuff was great. You know, not, you know, um, other quarterbacks can't do that. Gardner Minshew can, can do that. Um, you know, made s- smart decisions with the football, then put the ball in harm's way. But again, it's like, okay, well, you just kind of threw the ball up to your big time receivers. And a lot of stuff was schemed open to the outside. And it's like, well, what, again, I said the same thing. It's like, what happens when, you're under pressure a lot because he's already his pocket ability is is okay, but there's a lot of him leaving clean pockets, right? And it's like, okay, maybe that works because he's, he has the legs as Jalen Hurts, but like, what if the pressure is a little uh, a little more intense, right? Because you don't have Kelsey and and Mylata and Lane Johnson and all these guys, right? So I, I obviously he's going to get paid a lot of money, but he's not there yet in terms of just trying and look i'm i'm everyone tries to isolate quarterbacks in their own way i'm doing it my own way i don't think he's there yet as this like elite quarterback i know people saying he's like a top five quarterback top ten quarterback i don't see that however he's gonna have a chance to keep developing and keep becoming a better quarterback which i think is is great for him because we've seen this guy just become become a real player over the course of his you know since he became uh, the starting quarterback at Alabama. It's just can get it gets better every year. So like, there's hope, and I think like he can develop into the quarterback we want him to be, um, and he's going to get that chance. So, so I'm happy, you know, happy for him. You love watching this guy play. Like, I'm such a fan of 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 how he conducts himself and all that stuff. So, he throws a really s- smooth ball, a nice spiral. Like, you like watching Jesus him play. Lord. I just I just think that I think that the, the play is not as good as I think like the stats and everything um would show i'm just glad the smoothness of his balls is something that does not miss uh you know it's not escape your analysis you're really thorough with that you know and I, but that's why we love you um i still have no idea if you think that he's worth that amount of money but um, and, and and i and you'll never know what a non-answer <laughs> you should be a politician <laughs> Because yeah. I felt like I just was given just a, such an in-depth response, but then clouded in that was that you just didn't even answer my question. Yeah. 
and and that's it. I'm that's that's, that's all. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk some free agents here. So, um, Brad, would you kind of give us a sort of lay of the land in terms of, you know, I woke up from my Super Bowl hangover and I'm kind of trying to figure out like what the hell should I expect to happen? What do we know? that, you know, or what is kind of known within league sources that maybe the public is not thinking about or knows about. I think everyone's heard like Derek Carr something, Aaron Rodgers something, but um, kind of give us a little uh, little crash course in free agency. Yeah, I think the first big domino is going to be Derek Carr, um, obviously now officially a free agent, and the quarterback dominoes are obviously the first ones to fall. Um, I still think the New Orleans Saints are in the lead there. They just didn't want to give up draft compensation, and Carr has no reason to appease his former team and, and help them do that. So I think that's the big one. I think once that happens, it then probably solidifies Aaron Rodgers. I know you, I should, you never should look at betting markets for player movement, but uh, Rodgers' odds going from, I want to say, plus 350 to be a Raider to now minus 350 to be a Raider, I actually do think is the correct market movement in that scenario. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, it's, look, it's not a top-heavy class, but the reason I like it is, unlike in years past, like our number three free agent is Javon Hargrave, the Eagle we were just talking about. The Eagles are going to have to spend a ton of money. I'm sure they prioritize Hargrave. And it, like Seth mentioned, they brought in a bunch of other interior defenders. They might not be able to keep him. He's going to get a really, really big deal. Jesse Bates, our fourth free agent, is not going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. Jamal Dean, our number five free agent, is not going to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So for me... Look, there's not a ton of major names, but I think all those guys are going to actually be free agents. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Uh, Seth, you are a noted Saints fan. How do you feel about DC? It, it's going to be another non-answer here. But uh, so okay, so we'll move next question. He's hedging, he's hedging in case he does become a saint, and then he has to pivot and like point a bunch of his positives out, and you know mm-hmm. he can't have a scathing review. Pre DC DA reunion is, is my guess. How smooth. Yeah. I don't want to get blocked uh, on Twitter. Does he? How smooth are his balls? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start there. I, I think, we've never seen Derek Carr with a good defense. Like never. Like and not even just like a good average defense. We've only ever seen him with like the worst defenses you've ever seen in your life. And I do think that skews partly the narrative about him. I'm not saying it skews how he is as a quarterback, but it does skew partly the narrative of of who of who this guy is and the saints have obviously had a great defense for the last uh you know since like 2017 basically i i will say that like i am waiting for the the other shoe to drop and it's like eventually this defense just gets old cameron jordan's not going to be the same player he, he he used to be like that i i you know that's probably not going to happen they've hit on some draft picks especially at corner which I, i'm happy about um, looks like they hit on some linebackers too. So like they like I, I have I'm 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 cautiously optimistic that the defense just continues to be good because they have hit on some good players um, recently. So he'll have that in New Orleans. I always look at Derek Carr and I'm like, man, he makes a lot of good decisions. He really does. And he throws the ball pretty hard, and he's got a good enough arm, and he moves okay in the pocket. He's gotten better at like not kind of just like falling down when guys are near him. And he's gotten better at taking shots down the field and, and he'll have good players for sure with, you know, Olave and, and Rashid uh, Shahid and, and those guys. So like, that's going to be good. The offensive line is a little bit of a question mark, but it'll be better than he's had with the Raiders for the past three, four years. So that's all good. I think the Derek Carr thing is always the same, which is like, you watch him, you're like, why isn't this guy the best quarterback? Or why isn't the guy like part of the elite tier of quarterbacks? And it's because 
when you're when you're like Patrick Mahomes, when you're Brady, whatever, you're 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 grading well, you're playing at an elite level, eight out of every 10 plays. Carr does it six out of every 10 plays. You know, Mitchell Trubisky does it like five out of every 10 plays, four and a half of okay, hey. all right, sorry. Apologies. <laughs> but like this is this is this is the issue where it's like it's so close. You can go watch two games and you'll see like you watch one game and you're like, oh, this guy's an elite quarterback. And then you watch the next game and like half of it, he's like not seeing the field. I, I, I mean, I always go back to the same to the thing where they lost to the Rams on Thursday night football this year. The amount of money I had on the Raiders just to get a W basically. And they're up, but they're not looking good. I mean, they're up like 17-3, but, but Carr is like looking bad. And going into that game for like three, four games, Carr had looked really good. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out against the Rams defense that was missing a ton of starters, wasn't very good, and he can't see anything. And you're like, Whoa, what's going on, man? So I think that's really always going to be my concern with Carr. It's like there's just – it's like six out of ten. Six – really, really good, smart plays and four where you're like, what the hell? And where it's like, you know, with Brady, it's with Breeze, who was the former Saints quarterback, it's 8.5 out of 10 are really, really great plays. And even the the 1.5 that aren't great, aren't great, they're not head scratchers. They're like, oh yeah, okay, maybe just missed a little bit. So I don't know. That's my answer. I don't At least, know. you know, in his game in the Superdome this year, he's obviously very familiar with New Orleans. He played so well. He got across midfield one time in the entire outing. So, I will, all jokes aside, though, Dennis Allen obviously knows the guy very well. Maybe he knows all his weaknesses and knows how to work around those weaknesses because it sure looked like that in New Orleans. Um, but, yeah, the, the free agent landscape otherwise, you know, I think that is the theme, is that the guys are not elite. But, again, Mike McGlinchey, I think, is going to become a free agent. Like, Caleb McGarry, Jawan Taylor, like a lot of these guys that I know they're maybe not the sexiest names, but I think your your team could actually sign them, um, which makes it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more exciting. I, I love Jawan. What do you think? Jawan Taylor was great, man, this year. Yeah. Yeah, he was very good. Um, and, uh, it, it, you know, like made a, a market difference for that team. Um, you could tell it in, in the playoff run as well. Um, back to Derek Carr for just a second. What do you think he gets – uh brad and then what is like the next what what chain reaction does that set off like you know are there what what do you think is kind of the okay Derek carr signs with the saints for x and then what what impact does that have on other things yeah so the big thing there i promise this isn't like a cop-out answer but it's so tough with quarterbacks because it's really like how many bidders are there and then are any of these bidders going to give him a deal strong enough to where he wouldn't just say, eh, I'll take a one-year flyer and try to earn a, a substantial multi-year deal after that? So my guess is that is where it goes, unless the Saints and, and other teams, you know, the Jets, the, the Buccaneers, whoever starts bidding and moving this up, my guess is he'll instead go with like a one-year 25-er in New Orleans and just see if he can parlay that into something else. Um, the chain reaction is for me, First, that happens. I then think we'll get clarity on Aaron Rodgers because I think it's between the Jets and the Raiders at this point. Um, and so if Carr doesn't, goes to neither of those teams, I think that gets interesting. If Carr, let's say, does go to the Jets, then maybe the, the Raiders can you know bid a little bit less to get Aaron Rodgers, which is interesting. Um, and then Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is a future Jet if, if Derek Carr is not. Um, and, and then I think beyond that, it's, okay, the rest of the NFC South, 
Look, I think Carolina and Atlanta probably want to go in the draft, but are they potential destinations for your Baker Mayfield, your Jacoby Brissett's, like your bridge veteran guys? Um, and, and I think that's the, I think the NFC South for all of those players kind of makes sense. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Jimmy G, uh, Jets, that's interesting. Um, you know, so is that saying... I just, I, I just don't think Rogers. Look, I know they hired Nathaniel Hackett and all these yeah. things and yada yada yada. I, I just, I don't know if Rogers wants to go to the Jets to end his career and pull a true Brett Favre. Um, I think the Raiders are going to make a guy you know, just like go over the top and just say, hey, come play with an elite receiving core. Um, you know, and, and not as much scrutiny and pressure as New York and all those things, and and that'll probably get over the top. Um, Gino uh, Smith is number two in your. Uh, free agency rankings at quarterback, uh, which you can see on pff.com, by the way. Um, what what do you think ends up happening there? The you know really interesting because the Seahawks have a top five pick, right? They are uh, been very shrewd about the way that they've um, you know managed their assets here, um, and there's plenty of quarterbacks in this draft. What do you think happens there? Yeah, so I have been Geno pilled by Seth and, and some other you know film folks. So obviously he he, he graded the Super Bowl for us, and I like uh, you know I do watch film for all these guys. I, I of course defer to our graders and to things I learn from you know the true film analysts. But I do go watch them and you know look at strengths, weaknesses, stuff like that. But for me with him, the thing is, it's again more about the market. He has fifteen million dollars in career earnings. Like so, my my deal projected right now is basically just Ryan Tannehill's deal, but brought forward. And I think it was too generous because Ryan Tannehill signed his deal when he had about $78 million in, in, in career earnings. So I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to make him a fair offer. I would say a three-year deal, maybe a four-year deal for still above $30 million, maybe 32 and a half, 35. I have it at 37 and a half, and uh, I've been told it's, it's a little bit generous. But uh, I think the thing is to the draft, I'm not sure it precludes them still maybe making a move. Like I, I, mm. I wouldn't rule it out that Carroll says, yeah, you know what, I really like one of these kids, but I think he is a guy that needs a year, maybe a year and a half on the bench. We'll give Gino a deal where the first two years are really where all the guarantees are, and then we can kind of start this process. And maybe, Seth, you think I'm crazy for saying that, but I wouldn't be shocked. If not, I think they're going to try to trade down. If there's a team, let's say like Carolina or Atlanta or Tennessee at 11, I've heard is is more in these phone calls than I think people realize um, if they maybe can get a trade down from five, we know John Schneider loves to trade down um, and maybe get an extra first rounder for 2024. And then maybe, you know, then that's like, are you definitely take your guy and replace him? So that, that's how I see that playing out. Yeah. That, Seth, that to me, oh yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, I'm happy to hear your Gino thoughts. That that to me is more interesting. If you can get that first round next year. So you like, so you have another year of Gino activity to, 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 to decide from. You know, my thing with the Gino and, and them taking a quarterback at five or, or you know, if they like a guy there, it's just like Gino's kind of young, right? Like, like for an for like a NFL player, 32, he'll turn 33 uh, in the middle of next season. That's all. But for a quarterback who, who doesn't have a lot of hits on him, uh, who, you know, who, who hasn't played a lot of snaps, he you know, you get him for three years. Let's say two to another two years, let's say, of this level of play that we just saw with the offensive tackles continuing to improve from rookies. And then you're adding like a 
potentially a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter in the draft. You're adding you know, whatever you take in the first round, plus whatever other picks you got from, you know, your own draft and, uh, and, and, and the Broncos down the line, like all of a sudden you have a really good team, right? Like you, you fix that defense with some, with some better personnel, um, you know, maybe finding that third receiver, maybe finding that tight end that worked better than, than Fant did though. I think there's probably still some space there for Fant to carve out, but, all of a sudden you're in, like you're in as a, as a contender. If this is the Gino, I believe this is the Gino. So obviously this is my, you know what I mean? My projection is based on that, but yeah, I, I think, man, just kind of go all in and see what you, and Pete Carroll, man, he's 70, 70, 72, whatever. Like this is not, not a lot of time left for him to develop Will Levis, you know? One thing I don't, I don't want to stay on this one point too long, but and I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but we're staying in the top 10. So if Will, if Will Anderson and Jalen Carter are not there, which I kind of don't think they are, if you're at five, what what do you do there personally? Yeah, that then then it's a little different. Like I think I really like like I think there's other top ten players. I don't know the whole draft yet. I haven't watched everyone. I really like the Tyree Wilson, the defensive end out of Texas Tech. I think he's a top ten player. Uh, is he top five? That I it's borderline. Um, so yeah, I think that that would be the concern, but do you think, I guess some questions back to you is like, are there th- three quarterbacks going in the top five? So my guess as of today would be that Bryce Young goes first or second. If Houston, you know, t- then I think the Colts at four or trade up are a lock. I then wonder if, you know, Arizona sitting at three, Seattle sitting at five, do, do does Carolina feel the need to move up? I guess maybe, yeah. I guess in that scenario, you get the Bears take one of those guys. It's three quarterbacks, and then it's the other goes to Seattle. So yeah, I guess that is a very feasible scenario. Yeah, that's kind of like the 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 best scenario for the Seahawks. If we're if we're living in the world where they really believe in Geno and they think this is going to carry forward, then yeah, I think that's the best scenario. It's really interesting, and and um, by the way, because of technical difficulties, Arjun not able to join us today um so we're going to condense draft uh draft talk in into this because we talked about the first overall pick uh on sunday and jalen carter on FanDuel was five to one uh to go first overall i believe he was six plus 650 on DraftKings, and really the what the bears do impacts what happens to the seahawks there quite a bit right because if the Bears decide we're going to stand pat and then we're not going to take a quarterback, it all of a sudden slides value down the board, right? Now, all of a sudden, the number two pick is the number one overall pick. Number three picks, number two overall pick, and right? And so now you're sitting there in a situation as the Seahawks where you have a lot more moves that you can make. There's a lot more value potentially from a trade down situation. Um, it's almost unfathomable for me to think about the Bears staying at one and taking Jalen Carter. I'm assuming, uh, Seth, that you think that's unfathomable as well, that that could actually happen. I, I'm, I'm hopeful that they get Jalen Carter, but you might one. as well get another pick with it, right? Like that's how it has to go down. So here's the thing. If you stay at one, and I know this is people hate this, but if you stay at one, if you can't trade out at one, just take Bryce Young. That is the only move. It, it is, it would be like saying this, you're at, you, you, you've got a million, uh, not a million dollars. You're at a car dealership. You have a Ferrari already in the, uh, in the garage. Okay. And the car dealer comes to you and goes, it's your lucky day. 
I'm going to give you a Ferrari for free. And you go, you know what? I actually don't want the Ferrari. I would really love, really love that five-year-old used Jeep. Like you might really want a Jeep. You might really need a Jeep, Might really want to go off-roading, but you're an idiot if you don't just take the Ferrari, <laughs> right? Because ultimately it has much, much higher value. You can always resell it and acquire the Jeep that you need if you're in a situation where, you know, uh, where that, that arises. Um, Brad, what is more likely that they take Jalen Carter at one or they take Bryce Young at one? So I would still say if they cannot get a trade to happen, I think they would just take Jalen Carter. And look, I'm not, you know, we talk a lot about overconfidence in the draft and I get all that. If this was Caleb Williams or Drake May, I think your, your point would be entirely valid. Does a Bryce Young carry value into year two where I'm sure some teams right now are already poking holes in the fact that him and Mina Kimes are the same height on Twitter and, and things like that. Yeah. So uh, again, the overall general sentiment is fair. Um, and look, it is, I'm not going to call it a disaster scenario. It's not a great scenario, um, but you know, at that point, like, do you keep both? It's a whole thing. I think they'll just take Jalen Carter, honestly. It's, it's look, such it's, a, it's never bad. It's never bad to have good players. Jalen Carter projects as a very good player. So like that, like, but again, like they got to trade out of it. There's too many, too many quarterbacks in this. Show. This isn't last year. There's too many quarterbacks. The only thing I'll say, Brad, to your point about scattering quarterbacks is like, I love, I love Jake May. I love Caleb Williams. We're going to talk about them the same way we talked about every quarterback when it's True. their draft year. Like we're going to poke holes in them. We're going to find ways. I love Caleb Williams, man. Oh my God. I can't wait can't wait to watch him again this year at USC, but uh, we are going to poke a ton of holes in him uh, in a year from now. No, it's that's great. Entirely fair. That's entirely it, fair. Seth has uh, let us know about the smoothness of, of balls and is now poking holes uh, as well. So it's just been a really well-rounded podcast from <laughs> Seth. Uh, not sponsored by Manscaped or yeah, not <laughs> answers everywhere. I'm looking forward to when you've uh, thoroughly scouted all of the the smoothness of the uh, of all the quarterbacks in the draft, and we can ask you uh, a little bit more on that. For now, head to pff.com, check out the draft guide. Um, it is uh, by far the best source of information on the draft that you can possibly have. Each and every one of us looks at it uh, whenever we're trying to figure out some information on the draft. So go check that out. Uh, follow Seth. Uh, at pff underscore Seth on Twitter and Brad at pff underscore Brad. Join the printing press Discord. Take advantage. Will there be a this year? You know the person that let us know that was going. You know when he was going. I'll give you a hint. He's somewhere around this podcast. Okay, so if you want that same insight, go to the uh, the printing press Discord uh, and you'll be uh, you'll be able to capitalize as well. Gentlemen, love you both. Peace.